Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. I don't have Brenna with me for this episode, as she's been notoriously missing for the last couple, uh, but I do have another guest. But first, I want a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by both Inside Tracker and JREN Fitness. We're going to be talking about Inside Tracker a lot on this episode. They're the company that tests your blood and basically provides you feedback as far as changes you should make in your diet or training to improve. Uh, and then the other sponsor for the show is JRN Fitness. So Jared Renier, who we've had on the podcast several times before, is back uh, to discuss my post results from Endure the Gauntlet. So Jared, welcome back to the show. Good to be back. Yeah, so um, we're recording this about a month after the event. And if you liked the last episode we did together where it was called The Science of Suffering and we went through the pre-event tests that we took, uh, you're really going to like this one because we're going to go over basically the same thing but for the post-event. If you did not like the last episode, well, I'm sorry because this is going to be more of the same. I I thought it was really interesting. I'm kind of nerdy like that though. So, uh, yeah. Alright. And then we'll go over a couple other quick things at the end, which we'll get to. Alright, so first let's let's just knock it out. Uh, let's go over some of the tests. So the four tests we t- I took before and then I took after was one, the inside tracker blood test where they draw your blood and they analyze it with all these different biomarkers. <clears throat> Second one was the body fat uh, bod pod analysis. The third was the DARI movement test. So it's uh, basically motion capture cameras that are around you and you move and it shows you know where you have tightness or where you have weak points. And then the final was a VO2 max test, and when I take the VO2 max test, they automatically give me a fitness test too, even though I didn't really want to do it, but that's okay. <laughs> All right, so let's start off with the uh, inside track of the blood test. So I took the post-results blood test about, I think it was about five days after I finished Endure the Gauntlet, my 48-hour OCR. So Jared, uh, let's do a quick run-through of kind of what that showed. Okay. Um, yeah, just going from the top down with metabolism, and these are their kind of categories they put it in. Uh, metabolism and weight control. Uh, your glucose went down a little bit, uh, still at 90, so they're, they're in their yellow range, but, you know, glucose went down, so that's good. More exercise helps your glucose go down. Shocker. Hmm. Uh, your total cholesterol went up a little bit. Maybe a stress response, but could also be... Um, just due to your taper ahead of time, but you're still, you went from 129 to 135, so nothing real big. Um, and then HDL, your good cholesterol went up more than your bad cholesterol, so that's good. <laughs> so that's the total number. I know a lot of health professionals will kind of look at that, but they still want to cut that apart, and they'll just kind of look at that ratio. So as long as the good cholesterol goes up more than the bad cholesterol, most people stay happy. Um, calcium, vitamin D, those both, or calcium went up, vitamin D went down by one nanogram per milliliter, so didn't really go down. 
a whole lot. You do need more vitamin D, though. If you don't already take a supplement, you should probably do that. <laughs> You're at uh, 36 at that test, and uh, the, low, the low end of the range for green is 30, so you could probably stand to take one of those pills every day or just spend a lot more time in the sun. Take mm-hmm. your pick. But getting down to the fun stuff, the inflammation markers <clears throat> went up. Shocking. Uh, your white blood cell count went from 4.2 to 5.5, so a little bit of a gain there. Um, I don't really know what this one is. Let's get HSCRP. Um, your first test was 0.3, and you're well in the green. That range goes from 0 to 3. In the second test, you are 2.6, and I'm gonna. They have you in the yellow. Um, your neutrophils, which are you're still in the green on that one, which are also kind of a stress response. You went from 1900 to 3100. Um, so yeah, you're another. You know, a lot of those markers went up, kind of like we talked about in that first episode. Um, creatine went down, so again, you're going to be using that sort of stuff as you run. <clears throat> Uh, that your muscles store creatine, and when you work out, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, yeah, once you once you use that, it takes a little bit longer to build back up. So unless you're eating a lot of red meat or you're taking five grams per day, it's kind of hard to maintain. So uh, you went from 128, which is you know well within the green, to 76. Uh, one thing that was really shocking was your testosterone went up. Uh, kind of like we talked about on that first episode, we were expecting it to go down from a stress response um, and your cortisol to go up, but you went from 417 testosterone to 553. Again, that's well within their, both are well within their normal ranges. You're actually in the yellow on the low side uh, the first time, but now you're back in the green. Cortisol, you went from 17 down to 13. So I'm going to guess, kind of like we talked about um, before, the event, it, we didn't talk about it much on the on the podcast, but just you and I talking. Uh, you, f- from this uh, initial test, you realized you might have been a little more fatigued than what you thought. So you said you tapered a little more. So I'm wondering if that isn't part of, you know, that taper of you taking more time off. And then uh, we'll get into more of the race itself, but just kind of like you said, the miles that you'd planned on running, you weren't able to hit just due to, you know, the nature of the course and things like that. So I'm wondering if both of those didn't kind of factor into that testosterone and cortisol coming back into line a little bit. Yeah, like we talked about at the <clears throat> earlier, you know, I think one of the cool things about Inside Tracker was the results showed me that I was <clears throat> essentially overtraining or on the verge of overtraining or, you know, high cortisol, low testosterone. So one of the changes I made going into the event was I, I really adjusted my taper and made it a little more aggressive. I think with some of these long endurance events, a lot of times it's better to show up a little bit under-trained and over-rested without any nagging injuries rather than to show up, you know, like I hit everything on my training plan, but I'm, a, I'm feeling a little run down start going into the race. So, yeah, I think – and then obviously after the race was over, I, I didn't do anything. Like I stopped, I, I didn't do anything. Period. Right? I, I, by the time I took the blood test, which was about four or five days later, you know, I, I literally just been walking around my house and going to work. I was wearing my Ufo's uh, shoes there, which are like the softest thing in the things in the world. So I was, 
I was rocking those around uh, into work and stuff like that. So, yeah. The only everything else on there was pretty much the same. The only thing that I thought was <clears throat> interesting, and you and I had kind of touched on it a little bit, was the liver function and toxicity. Um, one of those numbers went from the measure was from nine to forty-six. Your first test was an eighteen. That's well within the green. Um, and the next, their second test was a thirty-one, which they have as a yellow, which kind of shows me you may have been closer to rhabdo than what we would like than what someone would uh, prefer. Just to know that if you're not for rhabdo uh, myolysis, um, basically you break down muscle let me get it right too much muscle is being broken down you have protein going into the liver into the kidneys that it can't really process um, and so that kind of causes a backup in the system bad things happen so I'm wondering if you know here even five days you know like I said four or five days later uh, you were, your liver was still wondering what the hell you did yeah definitely definitely a strong possibility there I was kind of surprised in general that some of the results were not as bad as I thought they were going to be. I thought it was just going to be like a complete, you know, shit show going on inside <laughs> my body, frankly. I was and, kind uh, of hoping for that. Not, not, <laughs> not for your sake, but it would just look cooler on the on the sheet. Yeah, so I, I was surprised. And as far as, like, with these big endurance events, they mentally, I find them very draining, right, because I'm putting out so much effort during them. Um, seeing my blood tests come back with a lot of, you know, essentially neutral results or, you know, some things even improving. Obviously, some things went down, but seeing them come back with a lot of those positives really helped me get over, like, the next mental hurdle of, like, you know, I still have a season going on. We still have World's Toughest Mudder coming up. So it, it was kind of like a science-backed check that says, like, hey, you should be able to, you know, We'll get to into it a little bit more because there's obviously stress to my muscles and my neuro, neurological system. But it was like a first step in the right direction of being like, hey, your blood is saying you're mostly good minus a couple of factors. Right. Cool. Yeah. And then if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I don't I don't have a personal trainer or nutritionist to help me analyze a lot of these results. Well, don't worry. Again, the website when you actually sign into Inside Tracker, it breaks it down like tells you what everything is and then tells you what foods you can take to adjust your plan and then also has like a goal setting thing so I clicked on endurance for mine so all my goals are endurance focused but you know if you're interested in building muscle or losing fat you know you can click on on those things and it adjusts you know what foods you can eat or what foods you should eat to improve your different biomarkers so yeah all, all this stuff that I'm getting off there as far as numbers and being in the green, red, and yellow, that's all provided by them. A lot of that, you know, being a personal trainer, I have an, I have an idea of what some of this stuff is, but as far as the ranges and stuff like that, that's all, that takes more letters behind your name than what I have. So that's all that's I'm given. One of the other cool things I liked is because this is my second test, it shows my first test on the graph, right? Like it shows two different points and a line connecting them, showing that like, oh, this went up, this went down, or this stayed the same. Which I thought was nice. I was kind of wondering if they were going to do that. So, cool. Uh, any other final thoughts on Inside Tracker and the blood test before we move on? Uh, I just yeah, I thought it was cool the first time. I still think it's really cool the second time, especially. <laughs> I do. I, I can nerd out to it. I really, I really like it. I do. 
But yeah, definitely, definitely something interesting. I actually wrote an article for Mud Run Guide that goes over Inside Tracker. So if you want to go back and check that out, you can search for it, Mud Run Guide Inside Tracker. It'll come up. And one of the things I thought was really cool about it was, you know, initially I would look at Inside Tracker and be like, well, that's definitely just for top level guys that really want to fine tune their performance to like perfection. And I still think it's for that. But I also think kind of the average person might actually get more out of it than the top level athlete because you know it, it really has some dietary suggestions in there and like i said you can adjust your goals to fit whatever you want so definitely mm-hmm. a cool thing to check out if you know you want to um you know if you're putting all this money into racing and stuff like that you may want to take the time and invest in your health too instead of just kind of blindly going through the dark there <laughs> right cool so that was inside tracker then I also did the bod pod body fat analysis. So you basically put on some spandex. They throw you in like a chamber there, and they change the air pressure, and it measures your you know your body fat, your muscle, and your how much bone you have basically. So what what did the uh, what did the results of that one show out come out to? Um, you had a point zero eight percent change uh, between your July and August test. Um, as far as body fat percentage, your fat weight went down uh, two pounds. Your muscle weight went up two pounds. Um, or your fat-free weight went up two pounds. Sorry. So, yeah, so that's uh, muscle, bone, all that kind of stuff. Um, with that, a lot of your um, body fat percentage, the anthropomorphic testing is what they call it, is a big fancy name for it, but... Any of your true body fat percentages are going to have a percent error, usually of three to five percent on either side. Um, Bod Pod is not uh, exempt from that. The closest you can really get is a DEXA, which takes an X-ray of your body every couple inches, but even then, uh, that's going to still have some of that range of error based on hydration and stuff like that. So, with that, I within a month and especially after a long endurance event like that where if anything you would have lost muscle i think that one's just a difference in the in the system there it was getting you know about like stepping on a scale the second time and weighing you know a little bit different you're not gonna it's gonna be hard to get the exact same measure on a machine like that yeah and then one of the other things was like my my body fat percentage was about the same as my muscle mass increase which makes me further think that it was just an error in testing, right? Because right. what, ch- what are the chances I lost the exact amount of body fat that I, I gained in muscle, right? Like, yeah. that's a little yeah. weird. Yeah, because your body weight went from, on their on their sheet, 156.013. So they're measuring out to the thousandth of a pound, which I've never, <laughs> I've never seen that in pounds. I've seen it in kilograms, which is that makes sense because, you know, that's what that system's made for. And then on your second weigh-in, you're 156.280. So you'd gained two-tenths of a pound, or if you want to round up, three-tenths of a pound. And But within that, you had two pounds of muscle and fat change in a month. Possible, yes, but with your training regimen or your taper regimen, um, I, don't, I don't see it. Like I said, yeah. I will say I do feel a little leaner, like from looking in the mirror. Right. Um, but again, I the the exact muscle gain and body fat percentage loss being like the same. It's just, again, I agree. I think it's just uh, error in testing. 
but I will say I do feel leaner. I don't know. I don't know if that makes a difference. There you go. As long as you feel leaner, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that was that was the bod pod. Uh, we also went back to uh, KU, University of Kansas, to do the Dari movement test. So that's the one where you, you go through a bunch of one-legged hops and you know plyometric movements and arm raises and stuff like that. And then they tell you kind of where your where there's tightness on your body. Um, one of the things I I didn't like about that, which I can't remember if we talked about this in the first episode, was there was nothing that really tested the upper body. I mean, all the upper body stuff was real basic. It was like, you know, raise your hands above your head, put your hands out to the side, you know. And for OCR, obviously, we do a lot more than just moving my hands up and down. So, I, I would kind of would have liked to seen some data as far as that and seeing if, uh, like, I tore my pec about uh, was it like two years ago. I'm curious to see if it picked up that as a as a weak point because I know that is a weak point for me. But anyway, let's uh, go over some of the results that we saw. So, yeah, in the first test, Dari kind of kicks out this score that matters for Dari. It doesn't really translate to anything else. But your first score was a 1,700. Um, that goes for – that's a conglomerate of your power, strength, and dysfunction. Um, with that, your overall – like I said, your overall score was 1,700. They gave you a level 4, which uh, they classify as excellent performance. And then they've got a couple other measures on here that, uh, as far as your symmetry and things like that. And uh, on the second test, you had a 1,450. So you went down, and you had a level 3, which is just above average performance. And then a few other things. But one thing that I did think was interesting is even though you, like, because I was there both days. First day, you said you felt fine. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit tired from the events that you uh, had previously, but you know, by by comparison, I'm guessing you felt worse for the uh, post race test, correct? Oh yeah, absolutely. Your actual, like your vertical jump, went up by almost an inch. That's interesting. Like, yeah, your vertical jump went up um, by half inch. Your depth jump went up by an, exactly an inch. And so, like, all of your jumps, other than your single leg jumps, went up, which I thought was really weird. But then, like, your squat performance and all that kind of stuff went, was bad. And then the one the one that was just mo- the most fun for me to watch, knowing what, and kind of like you had said, sleeping afterwards was difficult for you, because you just mess with your system so much, and then obviously staying awake for that long is going to mess with your nervous system. Your balance wasn't great before; it was it was poor, kind of in the like leaning towards the middle in the first one. You're pegged out on the bottom, like your 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 uh, neuro system and balance on the on the second test. It just it doesn't get lower. It's, <laughs> that, that was your that was your score. That brought you down on the rest of it, I think. That's great. I will say, you know, you think of balance obstacles as easy, but when you've been running and doing other obstacles for that long, like even things like Z-beam slackline started getting hard, where, like, you know, your body just doesn't respond as fast and the muscles aren't as strong to, like, center yourself. So even during Endure the Gauntlet, you know, even those were – I mean, they were still – 
it was still much better than doing anything with my hands, but it was still not super pleasant to go across them. And so. one thing, to be fair, like, because obviously the listeners weren't there, this balance test isn't just, like, standing on one foot or standing on a balance beam. It's standing on one foot, lift your other foot, you know, half an inch off the ground. Just make sure the other foot's off the ground. But then the tricky part is closing your eyes so you don't have that visual frame of reference to kind of center yourself. So that is more challenging than, you know, the practice walking across a beam or something like that. If, you know, if you don't believe me, if you're not driving in your car, you know, once you get home, stand on one foot and close your eyes. It'll be easy for the first few seconds, but after your brain kind of forgets where that up and down is and it has to just rely on that feeling of gravity, it is a little bit different. So um, to be fair, that was the test, and if you don't practice that, it is a little bit harder. But with you not really getting to practice it before and then the second time you know, you only had one shot at it, it really does show how much your uh, nervous system was just thrown all out of whack, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as the actual jump heights increasing, you know, I think that's a result of when I took the last test, I basically took, you know, I basically trained through and then that morning obviously I didn't work out. I just went to the test. But again, I was like coming off of two or three days of consistent physical exercise. So right. I think that just shows you how important a taper is even for like a short race, right? Like, you know, making sure you're tapering before uh, any race is a good idea especially if you want to do well. So, you know, taking that extra day or two off, you know, you're not going to lose fitness in two days, but you can show up to a race tired and overtrained. So, Exactly. Yeah. All right, so that was the uh, Dari movement test, and then we went on um, – that one was, what was it, like four days after the event, five days, something like that? Uh, that one was on Thursday. So, yeah, you had ran through Sunday at 11.30, or what time did you actually get off the course? left or uh, it was like 12 30 12 30 so yeah yeah you had monday tuesday wednesday and then tested thursday morning so three and a half days yep all right then um this one this vo2 max and fitness test was on september 11th so it's about two weeks or so after the event i had to travel for work for a week so i couldn't schedule it any earlier and I did not feel like I could actually run <laughs> for a couple days. So I didn't want to do it immediately after. So I did that one. And let's just go over the results real quick. So, yeah, so uh, the first VO2 max, you were in the 60s. I don't remember exactly. Um, but this one, you were down in the 50s. So it, you're still in superior. So don't worry. You're still an elite athlete. You're, you're good. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, like I said, the first time you tested, you were, I think, want to say 60, 63 um, milliliters per kilogram per minute. And this time you were at 52.9. And so you barely made that superior cut. That superior cut is at 52.5. So if you would have ran like another four hours, I don't know if you would have made it. <laughs> so for that one, I just felt like my heart rate. So it's a submax VO2, submax vo2 max test right so they they don't actually bring you up like we talked about on the last podcast they don't actually bring you up to your max heart rate and then watch you fall off the treadmill what they do is they go into your projected 80 percent of your max heart rate and i did feel like my heart rate even at the i ended up doing like kc timber challenge a local ocr and i ended up doing a triathlon about two weeks after the event 
Um, it was a char- charity race for a friend. And I did feel like for both those, I felt like my heart rate increased more rapidly than normal and kind of spiked a little earlier. So I don't think my VO2 max actually went down. I think it's just a matter of, you know, my body's a little bit stressed and my heart rate is increasing faster than it normally does. Gotcha. That's my two cents on it. Yeah. Yeah, you were you were breaking up there. I lost you for a little bit, but yeah, I got think I got the gist of it. Yeah, it's one of those where they kind of, like I said, take you up to right up to that point and then guesstimate the the last little bit. Yeah, and then then we did a bunch of fitness tests afterwards, uh, grip strength and stuff like that. Again, I think my grip strength actually went up, but that's just because the last time I did was like right after Conquer the Gauntlet Wichita, which I had I destroyed my grip. A couple of days before, so yeah, your grip strength went up a lot. Yeah, ten yeah. kilograms. Yeah, I mean, the one of the things that was interesting with Endure the Gauntlet was just my the like the flesh on my hands just took such abuse that you know I still had a I'm not gonna say I had a lot of grip strength left, but I still had a little bit left in me. Um, like my the actual skin on my hands was the limiting factor uh, before my grip completely gave out. So. Well, I'm not going to say I, my grip was doing real well, you know, 15 hours in. It was my hands and grabbing onto things that hurt. Like, you know, I would do Continental Divide, the invert, the uh, slip wall, and I would come off of it, and I could feel my heartbeat in my hands for the next couple minutes as I was walking because it was just like, just like so much damage there. So, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's about, that about wraps it up for the fitness test results. Any... Any other takeaways you saw there? Um, no. It, this one does also have a body fat and BMI. So this one has your uh, uh, body fat percentage going up from the previous test. So did you do like one of those bioimpedance where you hold on to the electrode things for this test? Uh, no, we did do a uh, resting metabolic rate though. So they put you, like, you lay you down and put this like hood over you, and then you just breathe for like ten minutes, and then it tells you what your, um, you know, how many calories you're burning a day just from right. sitting still, living. Gotcha. And yeah, you're the only other thing that your that your back strength that test that you uh, said you just hulked out on last time that one went down a little bit, but again, that's to be expected. <sighs> So. Yeah, I also don't like that test. I think it's it was too form based. You know, it's like all right now, you know, flex your back, but don't you know, don't straighten your legs. You know, it's like I don't know. I don't think you're gonna get an re- accurate result of that test. I don't like it. Yeah, probably not. It was like almost a shrug, but not a shrug. <laughs> so, you know, I thought I think it's too easy to cheat for that one. Yeah, or, or not use the proper form. So when I was talking to, uh, if you haven't seen the video that Jake Deal made, one of the Strength and Speed guys, he did like kind of a recap of the event. It's about a 17-minute video. It's available on the Strength and Speed website. It's available on my Facebook. It's available on the Strength and Speed Facebook page. Go check it out. I think he did a really good job. And then there's also an eight-minute one that was filmed mid-race by Jason Dupree of OCR Talk. Uh, that's also available on my Facebook page and off the Strength and Speed website. So when I was talking to Jake after the event, yeah, this is like maybe two or three weeks after the event. He's like, he asked me if I would do it again. And I was like, no, no <laughs> not interested. You know, and like, what's funny is about endurance events is, you know, 
every time I do an endurance event, people ask me a similar question, and I'm always like, absolutely not. And then it usually changes a couple weeks later. So I will say, am I interested in doing 48 hours of Conquer the Gauntlet again? No, I'm, that's still a, that's still a hard no, right? It was just it was just too much. But would I do 48 hours of a different race series? I could convince myself to do that. You know, you gotta give me you gotta give me like a year and a couple months and let me forget about most of the pain, and then I'll think it's a good idea again. But you know, with the with the obstacles that conquer the gauntlet, they just became too hard, too fast, and um, you know they. Well, I felt like my performance was real good for the first. 15 ish to 20 hours maybe you know i'd say the middle the middle section of the event was pretty poor and then like the end was like you know it was like world's toughest warrior dash you know like where the obstacles i'm basically you know doing balance obstacles the carries and then like the ones that essentially require no physical strength to get over so but like you said 100 percent completion on sherwood forest so yeah yeah yeah, if you don't know, Sherwood Forest is the – it's just a walk through the woods basically with like <laughs> fallen trees. So, um, But to be fair, there are five walls. Walls of Fury does count as one obstacle. So that's five eight-foot walls as one. So, I'd say one of the other th- interesting th- things about the event was, you know, I come around on the first lap and uh, I saw David Mainprice and he was asking me what I thought of the course so far. And normally during a race, right, you get that like adrenaline – rush or you know there's that strong desire to complete things because it matters and you're going to lose your band or you're going to have to do a penalty loop one of the things that made this harder was there was there was no one chasing me and there was you know in some respects there was less of an incentive to do well because you know if i fell in the water on the obstacle it was just like all right i just keep going right? right but you know not having that adrenaline that pressure to perform actually made some of the earlier laps harder than i was expecting like the very first time I went across stairway, I was like, "That was, that was a little harder than normal. That was weird." Um, that makes sense. But then, yeah, so that that was kind of some another something interesting that I was not expecting going into it. So, Evan's toughest mutter have to do Evan's toughest mutter instead, and then do yeah. forty eight hours that way. And so, well, that was one of the things I actually reached out to toughest mutter at one point and see if they wanted to host the event. Um, because frankly, it would have been a lot easier than doing Conquer the Gauntlet. <laughs> but and they didn't respond, so um, yeah. Well, and like we talked about before, and, and you know, we talked about between the two podcasts, but Conquer the Gauntlet is very much a designed to be a single lap race, and even that designed to be a very challenging. You know, have a very small percentage of people keep their bands or their belts in. <clears throat> in Conqueror's case. So let alone tr- trying to do that for multiple laps over multiple days. Now we did raise way, I wouldn't say way more. We did raise more than I was, I was hoping for. So that's a pretty awesome result. So the currently sitting at a uh, 6,000, just over $6,500 awesome. in, in money raised. I'm going to read out a bunch of the names that donated uh, just as a quick thank you. Uh, Kevin Milley, Mitchell Kerr, Josh Runquist. Callie Preparis, Brian Fisher, David Mainprize, Ashley Samples, Brenna Calvert, Chris Passanisi, Ben McCall, Jim Kuhn, Tim Stamper, Lindsey Mount Campbell, Rhett Buford, Preston Brooks, Stacey Arnold, Angie Dozier, Tony Hazapis, Kelly Williams, Christopher Balvin, Jesse Bay, Leah Hensley, uh, Justin Weisgerber, William Shell, Leah again, <laughs> T- 
Tabby Wood, Doug Snyder, Drew uh, Travis, William Shell, Christina Armstrong, Adrian B. Hanada, Michael Bufton, Jen Cochran, Dustin Radney, Lawrence Popritkin, Mike Stefano, Eric Scott, Terry Boyer, Siegland, Linda Leonard, Randy Lackey, Christopher Elliott, Gilbert Chediak, Dennis Pape, Adela Legatos Verutis, George Lavis, Marie Opitz, uh, Iona Algren, Aaron Brabson, Ann Woodward, Liz Dritzis, AC Hale, um, Deva Radzius, Marusia Melacrinos, Chris Gallagher, and that's just the ones that donated off the Facebook fundraiser. That doesn't count. Um, I know like Sarah Langoni donated on the actual website, and that doesn't count all the registrations. So all the people who paste me are registered, you know, are registered through that. All that money went to charity too, so that doesn't count them. So definitely appreciate that. And some of the donations were like they were huge, and I like I'm not going to read off how much people gave, but I mean I was completely shocked with some of the some of the donations people gave. That's it was very very kind of them. So that's awesome. Pretty pretty awesome to see that many people kind of come together for a good cause. A lot of of KCOCR, so good job, guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's about it. You got anything else to kind of wrap up? I I will say, if you want to hear like a full rundown of the event, head over to Link Endurance. We did a post-race podcast with them, and they kind of asked me about all the different aspects of the event. So head over to Link Endurance with Mo and Miles. Listen to their podcast. came out really good, I thought. We covered a lot of topics on that. We're going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. I got, sometimes I I write reviews for random products in the mail that I get, and a lot of times companies will ask me ahead of time, you know, are you interested in reviewing my product? And if it's not something I believe in, I typically just say no right off the bat, right? Because I understand there's people behind all these companies, and I don't want to, like, rip someone to pieces on the internet unless I feel like it's well-deserved, like they're purposely misleading people. But one of the products I ended up getting in the mail that I was I had not requested, um, someone else had volunteered me to write a review for them, was copper gloves. So it's like, you know, like the Tommy Copper thing you see on the internet, on the uh, TV late at night, and it's like copper-infused fabric provides like magical healing properties. So someone sent me a pair of gloves. I'm not going to write the review, but like I, I don't think they do anything. They're just gloves. What's your... So, Jared, what's your take on uh, copper-lined gloves or copper fabric gloves here? It's one of those things that, you know, that I because I haven't seen one of those. Uh, I have to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning most days, so I go to bed before those uh, infomercials come on. But trying to think back, because it's based off what? Because of the ion charge of the copper, it aligns things in your blood and does all this magical stuff, right? I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. If, yeah, I don't. I'm with you. They're they're just gloves. It's one of those things. If you think it's if you if you in your heart of heart believe it's going to help, it's probably going to help because the placebo effect is an effect. It will. You now, if you think you're going to get better, a lot of the times you can get a little bit better, at no matter what it is. So that can be. But yeah, the the copper causing these magical, you know, inflammatory markers to go down. I don't think so. I tried to find some like actual studies, did some quick Googling. I didn't look too deep, but I, I did not see anything that would convince me that these things actually work or any sort of similar product work. So right. I don't know. If someone has some sort of other magical stories 
or actually has a study that backs it up, you know, send it our way. I'd be curious to read it, but yeah, yeah. Now I have a pair of light, light, light gloves that I can wear during uh, winter runs. That's about it, though. Not buying off on the copper healing properties. I would think that the copper would almost make it colder because copper is a pretty conductive metal, so it's going to take your body heat and conduct that out into the air. I would think. If I could feel the copper in them, I think I'd like them better. But they just feel like regular gloves to me. It just—it's like I put them on, I'm like oh, I got sweaty hands now from wearing gloves. Like <laughs> that's it. I don't know. Yeah. Cool. So if you're interested in Jared Renier getting trained by him, he has a Facebook page, uh, facebook.com, jrenfitness. You can head over, shoot him a message. Um, he's training everyone from people just looking to lose weight all the way up to members of the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro team. So, you know, kind of head over there. It's, what would you say your specialty is, Jared? I like to think of myself as well-rounded, um, specializing in OCR, of course, but what makes it a little bit different is I have a lot of my OCR clients lift weight a little more than what I think some of the other uh, OCR trainers do just because you're going to get enough OCR practice while you're running. I also incorporate that into the training. But when you lift weight, there are other benefits that come other than just getting stronger. You can elicit a lot more changes while keeping the volume of uh, training lower than just going out and running miles or running hills and just that repeated pounding of cardio and uh, miles on the body. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of weight training for training for OCR too. I think there's a lot of positive aspects. And, and then it also makes it very easy to make it progressive, right? Like I think when people do body weight stuff, a lot of times they're like, all right, well now I, I can do 30 push-ups and then I'm just going to keep doing 30 push-ups. And again, that stops sending a signal to your body to adapt versus right. you know weights force that adaptation because you're, you're, you know, once you get a certain weight, most people just pick up the next heavier dumbbell or barbell or stuff like that. Exactly. So. Exactly, and then I also I also like fat grips because they <laughs> test your grip strength all the time. So they do. I use fat grips and atomic climbing holds pretty much on everything in the gym. So get a lot of people staring at me, but whatever, yeah, not my problem. They're they're staring at your catfish forearms. Yeah, and I, I will also say like you know I was, I was listening to a couple other trainers on different uh, podcasts, you know, give their opinions on you know OCR training, and you know. I think it's easy to listen to someone and go, well, oh, well, that's not the right way to train. Well, there's – I'll also say that every athlete's a little bit different, right? Like the the top, you know, Spartan pro, you know, probably already has a really strong running base and they're probably really good at running. So, you know, they may need to do more trail running or maybe they need to do more weight training to get better at certain obstacles versus I'd say the average person might benefit more from just simply logging some miles. So, yep. so you know, every every athlete's a little bit different. So, and I think that's where someone like you comes in as a personal trainer to help help guide that, rather than trying to figure it out on your own. Exactly. All right, uh, I think that about wraps it up. A short episode for us. Any uh, final shout outs you want to give, Jared? Um, KCSR, how's it going, guys? Evan, thank you for letting me come back on. Um, thank you to my wife for letting me do all this fun stuff that I get to do with OCR and training people. Uh, it takes a lot of time away from family sometimes, so yeah. Awesome, and that's about it. We will uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening.